Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Hello. You're not James! Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. <laughs> uh, hey, Zach. How's it going? It's fine. I'd like I'd like to explain something here, because this is sort of an awkward moment. So to our listeners, I just want to say something terrible has happened with James Very this week. Very terrible. So terrible that even Zach can see it from his perfect eyes. Uh, yeah, so James decided to really get into the season for Halloween this year. And he got so good at magic that he literally vanished himself out of existence. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, I don't know, Zach. Should I tell them exactly what happened? Or should I like yeah, allude I, to something? I'm honestly still a little unclear on, <laughs> on this whole thing, you know? Uh, okay, yeah. So I'm going to keep it as anonymous as possible. Yes. Um, James has experienced a family emergency. Yeah. That's about the best I can do for you there, buddy. Because James... eh, We joke that he's a slacker, and he kind of is sometimes, but he's not really that big of a slacker. It's just that this week it was an actual excuse. It wasn't like, oh, my grandma died or my father has come home after 20 years of absence. It's like this week was something real. So, here we are. Yes. Yes. And we don't actually have uh, any other historical content to cover on this episode. I am sorry, mea culpa. Or should I just say, this is God's fault. <laughs> he That's... did this to us. <laughs> it's really a good catch-all excuse. Yeah, it's God's fault. It's God's fault. But anyway, so here we are. And we are... We are... We will have more material next week. Rest assured, though, the next episode is going to blow your socks right off your ears. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and it'll be historical and shit. But this week, it's just it's just not. So, <laughs> hey, if you're here for that, I'm afraid you've come to the wrong place. So, Zach. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing great, you know, just uh, living the life in sunny L.A., uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. I suppose the last time the listeners encountered you, uh, you were you were talking to us about was it Crazy Horse or something? Yeah, yeah, uh, Vincent Gigante and Crazy Horse. That's right. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> at the time, we were both still living in Chicago, and now we have gone our separate ways. Yes. Uh, you to the magical land of L.A. and me to the festering wasteland known as Austin, Austin, Texas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love this place. It's awesome. Yeah, but. Yeah, so I yeah, I feel like uh, it's fitting where we both ended up. <laughs> Sorry, that came up wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fitting. It's definitely fitting because uh, I mean, here we are. You're out there making your way downtown, trying to sort out your life, and I'm here making my way downtown, trying to get by. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, so not much has changed except that we're in different cities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Zach does work in the entertainment industry. He is a colorist at a certain company that I will not name for his own sake. Yes. Um, because his job could be in jeopardy for even appearing on this show. It's true. Uh, it's serious business. Mm-hmm, very, very serious business. Um, he's working with celebrities on a daily basis. He's also a, a highly paid stunt double for Tom Cruise. And uh, uh, just let's, purely wait. because of my height. I didn't, I wasn't making that. I know, you didn't have to say it. <laughs> Look, I can't have everything in this world, okay? Okay, you're right. You, you can't have everything. You've got 99% of it. But I was I was actually looking at Tom Cruise's Twitter today. Have you ever looked at Tom Cruise's Twitter? I didn't even know he had one, honestly. He He has one, and let me tell you something. I've been on a lot of celebrity Twitter pages, uh, <laughs> despite my doctor's warning. Yeah. Uh, and multiple warnings, I should say. <laughs> and most of them are just awful. Like, if you go on Charlie Sheen's Twitter, every line, is it, every word in a sentence is its own individual line. What? Like, that's how he tweets. Ooh. And he tweets about bullshit. It's really interesting. Wow. But I was, like, pleasantly surprised because I went on Tom Cruise's Twitter. Yeah. And guess what? What? Not a single post about Scientology. Really? Or anything like that. Not even a personal tweet. He just tweets about his job, which is super interesting. That is probably smart, actually. It's probably a good move. That is that is the long-term move, yeah. I think, yeah. for your career. Um, you know, I think, I think a person like Tom Cruise would have a lot of... I mean... I know I can't personally shut the fuck up about what I personally believe and think and that sort of thing. And most people can't seem to do that either, especially on Twitter. But for Tom Cruise to show that kind of restraint, I think that's uh, pretty singular. Yeah. Well, everything indicates he's playing the long game, uh, you know, in this galaxy and all the neighboring galaxies. That's true. That's true. And soon to be the uh, future galaxy with L. Ron Hubbard, blessed be his name. Uh, Amen. I actually have a question. Uh, What's up regarding that? So, <clears throat> as far as like Twitter goes, yeah. are you on it at all? I am a Twitter ghost, meaning I'm on it. I have, and I intend to use it, but I I have not figured out how. Ah. So <laughs> here's my my follow up question. To yeah. That. Why are you a Twitter ghost? Uh. Well, it really comes down to, I, I probably overthink things too much, right? Mm. So I don't like to really do anything unless I know why I'm doing it and that I have a good reason. Uh, and Twitter fits right in the, it's one of those difficult things because the whole point is you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think about it too much. Uh, and that's exactly why I don't do it, because I'm like, wait, what should I say? What do I, what do I want to say? Uh, mm. What do I want to cause to happen by tweeting? Uh, I don't know any of that, so I would just rather not tweet. See, I'm kind of there with you, except I do have to maintain a Twitter account for this right. podcast. Um, that's the only reason on Twitter, though. And uh, I mean, I, I honestly, besides outside of like the podcasting community and uh, like our little club, yeah, uh, I try to stay off it as much as possible because it's just freaking toxic. You go there, you're going to feel nasty about yourself. Yeah. 
Um, no, really. I, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot actually because um, I, I re I feel like I, I okay. Here's the thing. I got the iPhone X, got iOS 12 or whatever the hell it is, um, and it records your screen time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, have you used that tool yet? I have glanced at it. I'm afraid to look closer. <laughs> you don't want to know. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm spending like. And like, and I was going, you know, I'm going to be real with myself here. I'm spending like four hours a day on my phone. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's a, you know, that's a generous estimate, you know, yeah. like, and deep down I was thinking, yeah, maybe two hours, two and a half hours. Let me tell you what my average was the first week I did this. What? Eight fucking hours. <laughs> oh my God. That's a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Isn't it terrible? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So I realized, I, I saw that my most of my time was going to, like, s- checking tweets and yeah. sending messages. And it's like, I don't even have that big of a Twitter following. Or I should say we, but James is not here. Yeah. He has vanished himself out of existence. I don't. So why am I checking? And why do I care? I, like, I, why am I going through my timeline, yeah. you know, screwing around with that shit, when I don't even care what the hell, you know, Charlie Sheen had to say about the tiger in his shoe. You know, I don't know. Have what? you have you thought about it? Like, if you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is Yes, I have. Yes. What? Do you want to know what I came to? Yeah. It's a deferral tool. Deferral. It's Deferral's probably the wrong word. It's more like a, uh, it's like a, uh, it's a procrastination tool yeah. is what it is. It makes your brain feel like it's busy, and it makes you feel like you're earning, you're like getting something out of it because you're getting those little dopamine hits and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and so you get glued to it, like people got glued to Farmville back in the day. Yeah. Um, except it's like even faker than Farmville, if you can believe that. <laughs> That's interesting. I have yeah. also, because I also am one of those people who, like, I, I'm a Facebook ghost as well, but I check it all the time and read it and. And, you know, read updates on uh, people who I, like, don't even remember how I became friends with them. Uh, and I'm like, why Why am I doing this? Um, yeah. And part of it, I, I remember um, I heard Nassim Taleb say that um, sometimes uh, the, he thinks the reason a lot of times people um, do things like... Um, listen to things or read things or, you know, constantly looking for novelty uh, is because if they were just quiet, if there was no input, their thoughts would be too repetitive. Yeah. Their mind would just go to one thing or two things, whatever it is, whatever is bothering you, usually. And it's hard to get off of that thing. You know, your brain just goes there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, when I heard that, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's totally true. Um, because wow. you, can, you can quiet it down, you know, if you're, if you're listening to something or you're, you know, scrolling through a stream of tweets. Um, you can sort of drown out <laughs> whatever your brain is trying to tell you. But, you know, if you, you know, wake up and you reach for your phone and you realize it's out of, out of charge and then you don't have your charger... And, uh, you know, you're like stranded, uh, digitally, so to speak, like you realize 
your brain is going to come back to whatever was always there under the surface uh, that you're kind of putting off. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem, too, for me, um, now that I think about it, is, you know, after I saw that eight hours of screen time, one, I was genuinely disturbed because I didn't feel like I had been spending that much time on my phone. Yeah. And it's possible the the analytics may have been off for some reason, you know, like it told me I walked 10 miles one day and I definitely didn't. <laughs> I was like, well, what the hell happened there? Yeah. Um, but like someone I, grabbed your phone real quick and then brought it back. Yeah. Someone went and did my exercise for me. <laughs> uh, so my thought, like when I, when I look at, when I hear that kind of thing where it's like, Oh, you, you're just basically like shutting off your brain and feeding in input. So you don't have to think. Yeah. That's scary for me because that's exactly how I use social media. Yeah. Uh, and what's, what's also interesting is like once I, when I got off of Facebook and I say got off of Facebook, I don't get on Facebook. Mm. I never deleted my account. I didn't deactivate it. I just don't get on there. Right. Um, and when I wasn't on there, like I genuinely felt happier for like the first week. It took me a couple of tries to like, Oh, I'm going on Facebook. Better turn off that program. Yeah. Um, and then when I finally was off of it, I just felt better Yeah. and it took probably two or three weeks of ignoring it. Um, and it's very hard to ignore because, you know, if you go back, you've got twice as many notifications <laughs> as you had on like a regular day. Yeah. Cause you got like Facebook reminding you, check your Facebook, check your Facebook. You get these creepy right. messages from it. They're like, they're like your friend, uh, Johnny got married to your friend, Mary. And, <laughs> and, you know, you're like, I don't it's care. Like, aren't you going to congratulate him? And you're like, F you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're not real. <laughs> Stop <Fuck> guilt tripping <laughs> me. Exactly. Well, I think that's super interesting, that thing you said about, uh, that Taleb said yeah. that we butchered probably that I'm now screwing up. But <laughs> see, here's the thing that I, I kind of find interesting about, like, my personal experience mm -hmm. with, with realizing that I was spending that much time on my phone. Um. Like, I know I use my phone for work. Yeah. Uh, I use it for for the podcast. I use it for my other jobs as well. And, uh, like, when I decided to start culling and cutting back, so to speak, just to be like, eh, I think I'm going to, like, not go on Twitter 500 times today, um, my mental weather just cleared right up. Really? Yeah. And I, it's funny because, like, I ran into that problem of, like, having repetitive thoughts. Yeah. But what was interesting was it was sort of like it was like a little hamster wheel running in my head, like just doing all the work and I'm not even caring or whatever. And then when I turned around, I look at that hamster and it's like, you know, it's like dying. <laughs> Take the hamster off the wheel. Right. You know? Like, right. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's not even like a thing. It's just like as soon as you are sort of mentally there, um, mm. like... It's not really an issue. Um, yeah. But the act of avoiding something that's, you know, that becomes, like you said, that's the hamster wheel. The, like, <laughs> trying to avoid something, even if it's not a problem, is, uh, like, going to take up your mental energy. And you're going to sort of want to distract yourself from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking, too, like, about a time before Facebook in my life. Um, I, I ne almost never, almost didn't experience, uh, like 
life without social networking. Yeah. I um, just when you said that I was like life over Facebook. I yeah. don't I'm not even sure I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> well, a couple of things. Well, I remember when I got my phone and I remember when I my first phone is a little flip phone yeah. and I realized I could send texts now like all the other hip kids. Cause before I'd just been using email, like a goddamn grandma, <laughs> um, like to, here's a funny video. And like, I got really efficient. I would like put 30 videos in one email and be like, here's all the funny videos I found this week. And nobody replied, of course, yeah, because that's just too much and nobody <laughs> fucking loved me. So there's that. But the other thing is like, I remember, um, even then having like the sadness that nobody responded to my email. Yeah. Um, and the sadness when nobody responded to my texts. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that like my social life, uh, when I was younger before texting, before I got really hooked on texting, Mm. um, like it didn't feel like I was suffering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't feel like I was being left out. It was just like, oh, I'm alone today. That's okay. I got stuff to do. Yeah. You know, people, you know, I'll see people on Wednesday, you know, because Wednesday was small group or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I was a kid, small group was kind of all I had at my church. And that, that was like my friend group. But yeah, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, I don't remember always feeling this chaotic in my brain. Um, I don't always remember f- feeling my thoughts rushing by, you know, at a mile a minute. Um, and what's interesting is that I felt a little bit of, I could, the times when I felt a little bit of peace, um, during my time on social media and that sort of thing was when I wasn't on it. Yeah. Um, when I knew I couldn't get to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, when I would go to church camps and stuff, right? Like no phones allowed there and you would just feel better. Um, it was kind of weird. I mean, you wanted to text your friends and you wanted to, you know, call your girlfriend or whatever if you were of that age. <laughs> but like, even for a week, not having it, like at first it felt like torture. But then by the end of the week, it was like, huh, I didn't miss that. Yeah. I slept better. I made better connections with real people around me. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't thinking about texts all the time. Right. So uh, I think you're right. Like to go back to a little bit earlier what you were saying is like the point of twitter is to sort of tweet and walk away yeah um i can't do that right i tweet and i'm like wow i wonder if everyone's gonna you know like this you know <laughs> it's it's stupid right but it's, there i am it's hard to untether yourself from it even, even no matter how hard you're like i don't care you know i'm just yeah. gonna tweet this i don't care and then you're like yeah. <laughs> checking it five seconds later well have you ever read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? I've read, I believe, like the article version. I've not read the full book. You probably don't need the full book. Yeah. Um, I like having the full book because it's all there, and I enjoyed personally supporting that message yeah. because I think it's a, it's a good book. Well, fresh my memory. I mean, the my recollection is that his point is you have a limited number of fucks to give about anything in your day. So mm-hmm. you should uh, allocate them with care. Is that sort of the essence of that? Yeah, that's that's sort of the main gist. Is you're going to care about certain things, um, and you're going to be be told uh, by others and by you know um, advertisers and media and that sort of thing, like what you should be caring about right now. Yeah. Um, and if you if you decide to care about everything, 
you're sort of wearing out your ability to care about anything. Yeah. Um, and he's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I picked up, because I recently started rereading it, because mm-hmm. um, I remember feeling great about that book after I finished it. Uh, and one of the things I ran into immediately was like, he said, we live in a world where we have these, you know, we have social media and it looks like everyone's having these great lives and we're looking at ourselves and we're like, oh man, we're miserable. Um, you know, you're not, you're not living the Facebook slideshow (laughs) that other people are. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea is sort of to remove yourself from that expectation of your life. Uh, you're not going to have a Facebook slideshow of a life. Nobody has a Facebook slideshow of a life. Yeah. Um, and once you start putting that kind of pressure on yourself, um, he, well, his, his idea is that you start, you stop, it's not so much that you become happier, but you become less freaked out about every little thing that happens. Yeah. Um, and I think about it in terms of Twitter, you know, I put something out and I'm like, well, if it gets a minimum of five likes or engagements or something like that, I'm like, great. Um, you know, that's good. That's, that's better than zero. Yeah. You know, but, and you never know what's going to hit. I mean, I think our most liked tweet on our, we talk about dead people account was like a picture of a cat or something. (laughs) It was something so silly, but, um, genuinely, like generally of interest to most people. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts or am I just rambling here? Uh, I mean, it's, it's really, obviously a big topic mm-hmm. um but now i think uh well, that's kind of all i have on that <laughs> yeah well i think it's all tied up uh in a lot of in a lot of different subjects oh yeah there there is another thing though on that topic of um you know uh caring what you care about versus what the messages you're getting about what you should care about it's one of the things I like most about watching my friends uh, post-college because, you know, especially because, you know, most of my friends were in the same major, so they all sort of thought they were going to end up doing roughly the same thing. But what I love about the, you know, a uh, few years out of college is um, watching people, like, sort of <laughs> throw away the thing that um, they thought they would do for the thing that they actually like. So, for example, mm. like, um, uh, uh, a guy I went to school with, um, you know, was into cameras and stuff, and he thought he was going to do something along those lines. And um, I never knew about any of his hobbies or anything. I just thought, you know, film was his only interest. But then, you know, a couple years out of college turns out he's like an amazing like metal worker and he makes these like jewelry and rings and stuff out of out of metal and they're like these crazy shapes and stuff and (laughs) it's like that's so cool and but he didn't like tell anyone that he was interested in that um Hmm. and i guess somehow thought it was not you know the kind of thing he could do or spend his life doing but now it seems like it's kind of a big part of 
of what he does. And I've, I've known uh, more than, uh, more than, let's say, yeah, I know two girls who, like, after college got super into baking and, like, went into baking, (laughs) 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 which is, like, that's kind of cool, you know? Uh, They probably didn't, you know, feel comfortable saying, like, I'm going to be a baker, you know? Yeah, that's awkward to say. I don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to be a baker. Yeah. I mean, it's awkward enough to say I'm a podcaster. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. it's like, what I love about, you know, uh, when you drill down and you actually have to, like, start deciding how you're going to live, you start making decisions like that. And you're like, oh, this thing I've been holding on to, you know, my whole life I've, that I've been sort of uh, wearing as part of my identity, I guess mm. I don't need that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I, I, uh, well, the story is everybody that Zach and I went to the same school and studied the same thing and got the same degrees and everything and basically clones of each other, which is <laughs> you know, absolutely not fucking true, but I'm just making a joke. Um, yeah. So like I went to school for film and I came out and people have been asking me since I got out, when are you going to make another movie? When are you going to make another movie? And I'm just like running through my head. It's like, I never want to make another movie ever again in my life. Yeah. And I've had enough. That part of my identity is burned away. Yeah. And was that, does that seem like a new realization or just something that is, was always there, but you kind of realize it now. Well, you want to hear something funny. Yeah. Um, is that I thought, I think what I really wanted to do uh, was I wanted to go, well, I wanted to do something with my voice. I wanted to talk. (laughs) I wanted to engage with people. That was number one. The other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to, um, I thought it would be cool to start like a web comic or something like that. Yeah. Um, But I never pursued that because I sort of swallowed the pill that said, hey, you know, there's no way you can make it that way and nobody ever makes it that way. (laughs) Right. Um, And what I what I interpreted that as that little concept as was, well, I did. I'd better pick something that at least has a like an industry. Yeah. Film. Yeah. It's a creative industry. It's visual. It's got a lot of things I like, uh, including editing and sound and that sort of thing. Um, love all that stuff, but uh, like filmmaking itself, eh? I could give or take that. It was just sort of like, eh? You know, everybody's telling me there's no way I can forge my own path out there. Yeah. Um, better just, better just jump in both feet, grow up, and there part. There's definitely some truth to that. To just like doing what everyone else does. You know, you get something like security. Yeah. But I think early on, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't going to take the path that I would say most smart people do. <laughs> uh, you know, just get the degree that will get you the job, that will get you the money so you can make the fuck you fund and then get out. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, I don't operate like that. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't about me. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a thought, though. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, speaking of something like baking, why is it that we're afraid to say that we like certain things like that? Oh, man. Yeah, I think... I wonder. Well, I think it, it really comes down to, for some reason, it's like, 
you know, if it's just you and it's just like, you know, oh, what am I going to do with my evening? No one's around. I'm going to bake something, right? You don't feel any kind of shame when it's like just you, you know, but when you, you know, uh, other people observe you or it, you know, it's going to become part of your identity. Uh, I feel like that's when we become afraid of doing things that other people would, you know, uh, yeah, like even so, so for example, me, like, uh, I have a cool job. I, you know, get to work on cool projects. It's fun. I like a lot of it. I also don't like a lot about it. And it's been interesting because, um, it's at the point where, um, like, uh, my family and a few friends, like, uh, think of me as more of a colorist than I think of myself. You know, I'm sort of like, you know, this is fun. This is a, I'm enjoying this chapter of my life, but I don't know how much longer it's going to go on. Whereas Hmm. everyone else around me still thinks, oh, Zach, he's the colorist. Like, he's out there in LA, he's doing it, he'll be doing it, you know. (laughs) He'll be doing Star Wars 40 and, you know, uh, whenever it comes out, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If they don't cancel it. Right, well, yeah, actually, that's probably what's going to happen, but... I was going to say, it's genuine fear at this point. Um, hey, I think that's really interesting. I, I kind of want to linger on that a tiny bit. Because uh, it is interesting how we don't see ourselves like other people see ourselves. Yeah. See us, right? And and um, feel the pressure even even when, like, why should we <laughs> why should we be uncomfortable with that? But go yeah. on, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I we talked about this pre-show. Yeah. Uh, I see you as kind of like, oh, the guy who actually went and got the job in the field that, I, <laughs> that I'm supposed to be occupying. Yeah. Right? Um, and I sort of see myself as this, you know, stumbling dumb fuck who doesn't know anything <laughs> and is just barely getting along. But what's so it's so strange to me whenever I talk to somebody who's like, whoa, you run a podcast? No way! I'm like... It's not that cool, is it? It's the coolest thing in the world. I, I would give anything to do what you do. I'm like, well, you know, this isn't like a job. Like, I'm not getting paid for this. You know, pretty much not at all. I mean, we have some wonderful patrons out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> one of which we're going to have to thank on an upcoming episode because he recently just donated and we need to thank him. Awesome. But it won't be here because it's not officially an episode. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's like I run into people like that. I'm like, how on earth do you see me that way? Yeah. I'm like, you know, you know, people who listen to the podcast who I know, you know, they'll come up to me and be like, I feel like I know you super well, but we don't really know each other that well. Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, I listen to like 10 episodes or whatever. Oh, that's right. Yeah. People see me. It's about optics. Right. Right. And because I've, and you know, well, hmm. Say it. (laughs) Say it. <laughs> yeah, it, it and I well, I, I realized that. Yeah. And then I started looking around on Twitter because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um but I started seeing all of these success posers. Yeah. I had a conversation with an entrepreneur friend of mine about this recently. Uh howdy Ben. Yeah. Um the uh yeah, you know this Ben. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um so the funny thing is like 
I asked him about it. I said, so I see all these guys who are like posing as they're on Twitter and they're like, I've got like 10 rules to make you a million bucks by the time you're 30. You know, fuck the haters. You're going to, you're never going to get married and you're going to drive a red car. It's all a lie. You know, they're like so red pill. You know, they all read the rational mail and got a massive boner and just like started like, I started my online store, bro. You know, no time for women, <laughs> you know, that kind of bullshit. If you ever go on there, it's so funny because there's like dozens of them yeah. that I can find and they're all saying the same thing. Wow. And what's funny is like what they're selling is themselves. Yeah. But it's not really them. It's a fake version of them that makes them out to be like these massively successful 20-somethings, bruh. You know, who's got, who've got everything. And just because they figured out these five rules, which they put helpfully into this $20 ebook, you can buy at this link directly below here. Exactly. Right, right? <laughs> so I had that thought. I was looking at that and I was like, Jesus, like, is the way to success to become a douche lose loser poser oh no no and that well and that's the thing with with um you know we're influenced by what we see right we're not influenced by what we don't see so when we see these people we're like oh maybe maybe they're doing it right but it's it's really just that you know how do we even know that they're doing it right they may just be talking right they may be yeah (laughs) complete posers well that's the funny thing, is they're all like, they are just talking. Yeah. And the stuff they're selling is like the most banal, lame, like success junk you could ever hope to buy. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, and you and I know that from like in the film industry, you know, how many screenwriting gurus do you know who are actually like successful working screenwriters? Right? Oh, none. None of All them. the screenwriting gurus are like, yeah, my film, you know, is just shot and we're sending it to the Austin Film Festival and it won't win anything, but it's all about the art, bro. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's these people I know who are just, they're so dumb. They're like writing these scripts that are just for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever encountered anything like that where it's like, I'm writing this script to express myself and show people what I know about the world. And I'm like, you know what people buy? They buy things that they like. Your analytics aren't going to tell you what people like. You know what's what's going to tell you if people like something you have? They look at it and they go, oh, that's pretty good. You should send it somewhere. <laughs> right. If they look at it and they go... This is the most amazing script I've ever... You're so brave. Like, this is such a dangerous script to write in our, you know, in our day and age. It's a message that needs to get out. Prepare for a box office bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm way off now. Sorry. No, but it all... Like, to bring it back, uh, I think people do have a point when they say, like, you have a podcast? Because really, like... um. Again, comparing what where you are and what you're doing and where I am and what I'm doing, like, you are, just with the podcast, like, already doing a huge thing that's completely, you know, your own creative output, it's your own perspective, uh, you don't have to, you know, do it any particular way for someone, right? You're, it's just a, a voluntary thing 
uh, creative thing between you and your listeners, people who have found you <laughs> and like what you do. Uh, hmm. Whereas me, I work on big projects that I have no say on, and I work for people who, you know, essentially, uh, you know, um, I'm really just trying to uh, make it a smooth process. Like, but you know, if I do my job, great. Pretty much, people will go to the theater, they'll watch the film, and they won't see anything wrong. <laughs> that's not <laughs> right. That's not really impacting anything, you know. And uh, right. And uh, also, not that's not even mentioning that, you know. Not every film is Citizen Kane, right? <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I I look at what you're doing, and I'm like, I honestly feel like that's like like you're a role model. <laughs> what the? Fuck? I know, like it. It sounds crazy <laughs> to say, but you know, all all you need for a role model is someone who you feel like is a model of of what you should be or something you should be more like. So, by the dictionary definition, you are my role model, Aaron C. <laughs> See, that's ridiculous, because last time you were on the show, it was the exact opposite. Yeah, but also, uh, <laughs> I mean, that that one, uh, you know, this one's, this one's like the, you know, the backstage... Uh, you know, un- unheard of tapes, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, this is... And that was, you know, uh, this is the real deal. Yeah, well, that was, it was scripted and it was a <laughs> dramatization of my inner turmoil, that is for sure. Um, but I think the I think it's still interesting, though, because, like, uh, um, I've sort of been measuring my, my success so far as, like, Will I be able to pay my freaking, you know, inspection yeah. uh, fee on my car <laughs> for moving to Texas? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. And I look at what we're making on Patreon, and it's like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, dear. And when I look at it like that, it doesn't seem like that much. Right. But when I look at, at the support that we get and the people who are, like, genuinely interested in the show and want to see it succeed... Um, you know, and and who give whatever they can, you know, to help to help the show stay afloat. It's like shit. I got a lot. I got a lot going on, and on top of it, like um, <clears throat> the show's still fun. Yeah, <laughs> I still love doing this. Like it's been a year of consistent releases, except for this last two weeks. But hey, that's that's life. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. You know, it's it's been over a year, actually, and I still love it. And that's actually another part of the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. His, one of his points is that life is suffering. It's hard. Um, and there's no such thing as, like, happiness at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. Like, you, it's like a poor person has money problems. Warren Buffett also has money problems. <laughs> he just has better money problems than the poor person. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, so the idea and maybe just bigger, not even better. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's like think if you think about that in terms of of like our show, um you know, it's I I have still have a lot of the same problems I had when I started, but they're better problems to have. Yeah. 
It's not like, should this show continue? Should I just quit since nobody's listening? <laughs> now it's like, okay, this this Patreon supporter, you know, requested this character. Yeah. How do we want to do it? Yeah. Do we want to do it in one fell swoop? Do we want to put it in five or six individual episodes? I get to make those decisions because... One, I've automated most of the process of making this show. Basically, I hit record, and there's some editing involved, but I'm so fast with it yeah. now. Um, and it's so efficient that like, I have my other jobs that I can work around this show, and it doesn't even feel like it's dead weight. If I'm not podcasting during the week, I feel lost. Yeah. Like When I found out James wasn't going to be able to record today, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I just sat. I swear to God, I just sat in the corner of my apartment with a cup of lukewarm coffee in my <laughs> bathrobe, just staring out over the abyss because I have no furniture yet because I can't afford it. And I was just like looking out and I'm like, what am I going to do today? Yeah. And oh shit, it was a bad feeling. And so I can't imagine not podcasting. Yeah. Um, and it's why I'm like so into taking we talk about dead people to where it could go yeah um but also like expanding that because there's so much i'd like to do with it yeah uh but right now it's just sort of incubating and i realized recently that like uh every hour i put into this show is an investment it's not lost it's an investment exactly actually that totally reminds me of the the last idea that sort of just like blew my mind was the idea of uh uh, second order causes. Um, yes, you mentioned this. Yeah. So <coughs> essentially, um, uh, a second order cause is just, well, a first order cause is, you know, if you do something or if something happens, it has a consequence. And that's a first order cause. Um, but also, if you do something and there's a consequence, that consequence causes something. Right, because our we live in a yeah. world that where everything's connected, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, again, this is a, a Taleb idea. He was the one who introduced it to me. Um, the idea is essentially second order causes rule the world, um, and it it's exactly um, uh, a similar thing to well, it's the reason um, why Scott Adams uh, systems versus goals is right. You know his thing where. Goals are for losers. What you want is a system, a system that um, continually leads to good things. And that if you focus too much on a goal, um, you know, first of all, it's a single thing um, and it doesn't necessarily repeat. Um, Whereas what you really want is to do something that continually leads to more and more and more good things or... (laughs) to put it in terms of second order causation, you want to cause things that cause more good things. And yes. that's how you essentially uh, want to live your life. And, and I think we've all uh, experienced where like, you know, uh, when you're not in a flow, when you don't feel like, um, you know, things are going great or you don't have great momentum, it's because, you know, if you don't do something, your life just sort of stops. Your day sort of stops, you know, like you. Mm-hmm. When, when, if you didn't have the podcast, it was like, well, what am I going to do today, right? Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the act of you, whatever um, it was, whenever it was starting the podcast, that act, 
you know, caused all the good things that have come out of the show up to this point, including the good experience that you were going to have today of recording with James, right? That's true. So that's a, it's a second order cause. And then when you think about it, you know, uh, relationships, um, the thing that's good about relationships is the second order cause, you know? It's not, you know, knowing the person or being friends with the person that's great. It's what happens because you are their friend. <laughs> because <laughs> You see what I'm saying? I mean... Yeah, I see where you're going. Um, so, um, anyway, like, and that's, that's how I've come to look at what you should do with your life in terms of work and stuff, too, you know? You don't want to... I mean, you can... Well, I'm just going to speak for myself here. You know, um, working on movies that, you know, I don't necessarily care about, no one else necessarily cares about, and mm-hmm. it's a part of the process that is kind of cool, but, um, you know, it's just not the most important thing. And I realized there are other things um, that I would much rather fill my day with, you know, than um, just sort of being a technical person um, on on a project that I don't really have a that much of a personal or creative um, connection to. Um, so that's why I like, I love what you're doing with the podcast and, <laughs> and I was happy to fill in. Oh man, I, I couldn't wait to have you fill in. Um, mainly because I think you're a super interesting person. Uh, but also because you think about the world in a completely different way than I do. Hmm. Um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Scott Adams. Yeah. Uh, because like when we first had you on the show, uh, we made a joke about oh, him yeah. being your personal god. Oh, Do you remember gosh. that? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was before I knew that he was like so embroiled in political debates and things. Yeah. Um, I don't think of that as like a I don't think of that as a strike against him because I've read his work and it's super interesting. Yeah. Uh he's got a book that I recommend to almost everybody uh is What's it called? How to oh, yeah. uh, fail at everything and still win. How to, how, to, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. Yeah. yeah. How to fail at almost everything and still win big. It's a great book. Yeah, uh, it's Mainly fantastic. because it, it, it's, not, it's not ensconced in like the, you know, the success book sort of uh, literature, so to speak. Like, you know, you've got your Dale Carnegie stuff. You've got your... Um, your uh, What's the other one? The power of positive thinking. I can't remember who wrote that. You've got all that stuff where it's just like, just think your way to a better life. And there's some truth to that. But the practicality of the book, how to fail at almost everything and still win big is one. It reads like it was written by a crazy person, (laughs) but it also reads like it was written by a person who was insanely successful somehow. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's why I like the book. But yeah. Oh, do you hear it? Do you you, listen? What is that? That's the sad dog. Oh my god. What? <laughs> I live in Austin. There are dogs everywhere. That sounded And there's this so one dog sad. beneath me. Every couple of hours he just goes on a crying fit and it's so sad. Oh my gosh. I just want to go down there and squeeze him, but I don't even know what kind of dog he is. He might be a big ugly dog you don't want to squeeze, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Man. I know I derailed it. I'm or sad, sad dog now, derailed it. So <laughs> 
Well, last week was the sad episode. What are we going to call this week's episode? Uh, the hap episode, obviously. The hap episode. <laughs> yeah. episode. There we go. Yeah, I like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, let's let's circle this back one more time. Yeah. Because um, I really like where this this is this is sort of going, and I've like I've enjoyed talking about the show, um, sort of like in a meta fashion yeah. so far. Um, because one. Behind the scenes is cool. I've always liked behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, in like my own and movies that I watch and uh, like BBC. Do you ever see like those like documentaries on BBC documentaries? Yeah. Like how they got the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those are awesome. So I'm I'm not sweating this at all. But, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So like, uh, so when it comes to this, basically. Let's let's talk about optics again. Okay? Yeah. So, um, my whole thing is like, all right, people are clearly seeing us differently than we are see ourselves, mm-hmm. obviously, right? And sort of like, you know, I see Jocko or Joe Rogan. I look at them and I'm like, oh shit, that could, I would love to do that someday. Just sit behind a mic and have thousands and millions of people listen and like buy my shit and like, yeah, I could do it for a living. Like I look at that and it's like, well, you know. I'm closer than I was last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I'll ever get there. Probably not. Because what was it? I think I retweeted Tim Ferriss today. Yeah. And like, or was it Jocko? Jocko was on Tim Ferriss's podcast and it like gave him his own start for his own podcast. Mm-hmm. He just got on the show and people were like, oh shit, I really like listening to Jocko talk about extreme ownership. I want to go listen to all of his shit now. Yeah, and the guy got a career, uh, like a career out of it. Yeah, one that he maybe didn't see coming. I really don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass right here, right out of my ass right now. Um, because, but it's like I look at that and I'm like, well, shit. You know, I see Jocko as like this inaccessible, massive figure of podcasting. I see the same thing in Tim Ferriss, yeah, um, and Sam Harris mm-hmm. and all the other Risses. <laughs> um, and uh, it's funny because. Uh, they seem completely inaccessible, and I think of myself as completely accessible. Ah. Um, and I was looking through, uh, I was looking at some comments on a post that Jocko made, and one of them was like, yeah, I remember when you had less than 2,000 followers, and you could interact with every person who commented on Twitter. Yeah. And it had like a 1,000 likes and comments or whatever yeah. on just the one tweet. And I was like, shit, well, I'm not there, but at least I get to interact with all my people still. Yeah. And at a certain point, you become sort of this massive, I'm not saying it always happens, and I'm not saying it's going to happen to me and James, but at a certain point, you're just this massive embodied figure in, or disembodied figure is what I mean, um, where it's like I think of Jocko as this like, uh, you know, almost like this hero character, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying like I idolize the guy, but you can't help but not, but you work the, the scale of his identity into your view of that person. Yeah. Um, and one of the weirdest things that ever happened on the show, and I don't know what it was still, I think it was either um, just because we tweeted about Alex Jones or whatever. Um, got thousands of plays or whatever all in one day and it put us on the list and we were like above Rachel Maddow for <laughs> Christ's sake. Like for one glorious day, we were above Rachel Maddow. Yeah. And 
that sort of broke the universe for me. Yeah. It was like seeing my seeing the logo. I keep saying mine. Seeing our logo up there on the top hundred charts above Rachel Maddow. <laughs> like there was no it was like I'm not an, I'm not living on planet Earth anymore. Right. This is a joke. Like the people who listen to this show regularly may not have seen that happen because it was a while ago and I only posted about it on Twitter. But like, Jesus Christ, it's accessible. It's there. Don't know how to get there again, but I was there for a little while. Yeah. So it shows that it's not impossible. And breaking that sort of wall between yourself thinking of yourself as just some average, you know, Joe podcasting in his apartment and then suddenly you've like topped... (laughs) You know, we were above Bill Burr. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that shit doesn't just happen. Yeah. And when you have that world exploded around you, it's really scary, but it's also thrilling. Because what's funny is that happened, and then I went to work at Walmart that day. <laughs> I shit you not. Yeah. I got I got off of my phone looking at, I think it was number 42 in the top 100 on iTunes. Yeah. Looking at and like looking at all the famous people I was out doing that day, I'm like, shit, I, I'm better than this person. <laughs> and then I just like, oh well, hey, look, it's about time to clock in. So I threw on my vest, got my box cutter, went to the <laughs> store, <laughs> told my coworker, I'm like, look, dude, look at me, I'm on top 100. Boss comes by, put that phone away. <laughs> oh, okay. That <laughs> was really weird. Wow. It was really weird. And it only lasted for a little while. I'm not being braggadocious. It was it was gone in a day. No, but I mean, and more and more, I feel like that's how everything is. It's like, if you can keep doing it, you know, and you don't just burn yourself out, like, random good things just happen every once in a while. You can't predict them, you know, you can't control them. But, <laughs> you know, if you're putting stuff out there, people will see it. It's true. And then, you know, uh, that causes a ripple effect and and suddenly you're in the top 20 or whatever. It, it's not, not crazy. It's And it's not impossible either. Yeah. That's the weird thing is you think of it as impossible and accessible so far away from yourself. You're just a little guy. You know, you can't do it. Um, and the thing is you still are that little guy. Yeah. You're just some some guy. You're just some person, like with all the anxieties and the and the you know the weird things going on in your life. You know, it's like you know. I was thinking about that. I was like, well, I gotta get my Texas driver's license today, and so I'm like sitting there doing driver's ed, and I'm like, shit, I've been driving for eight, nine years now, nine years, almost ten. And I've got to do driver's ed. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, I bet Joe Rogan wouldn't have to do this. And then, boom, it's like, oh, I bet Joe Rogan does have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that's why I think when, when people like, when I, I talk with people who I think of as like minor celebrities or whatever, mm-hmm. um, not like when I'm talking to them, but when I think about them or, or whatever, it's like, um, you know, they they put their shoes on in the morning too. Yeah. Like, they have to wash their laundry, you know. Yeah. They have, you know, they have the same problems, and it's so weird to think about it like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like just imagine uh, Jocko Willink deciding not to eat a cupcake that day, <laughs> <laughs> but struggling with it, <laughs> like struggling because with you it. know he does. 
Yeah, and it's like Joe Rogan getting drunk or high on his podcast. Like when the when the mic goes off, he has to go somewhere else. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so funny to think about. It's so funny. It um reminds me of an essay by G.K. Chesterton. He, like when I think it's called "The Time I Met the President" mm-hmm. or something like that. And he's like talking about how he um just went down to this local tavern and out of the back door, there came this man just like stumbling out. And uh, I can't remember the exact details, but he's like, looks up and he's like, Oh, that man was the president. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember of what country it was, but he's like, I met the president. (laughs) And I think he later realized it wasn't him, but for, for that time period, it was, I ran into the president at the pub. Yeah. You know, it's the same feeling I, I got this a similar feeling when I went and saw Spamalot in Chicago and Eric Idle ended up being there. <laughs> wow. He's like, he came up on stage. I'm like, you're not real. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're definitely not real. Right. You only exist on the screen. That's exactly right. You're way taller than I thought you were. How tall do you think I was? Oh, like two inches. <laughs> <laughs> and he sounds the same too, but a little bit older. Yeah. It's, super interesting yeah man i don't know well uh we've gone an hour i know you're a busy guy i don't want to take up all your time i'm glad to glad to stop by yeah uh it's been fun and i won't promise anything because as far as this to our listeners as far as this uh family emergency thing goes with james i'm not sure how long it's going to last it may be a while um i'll keep you updated and i will try to have uh, something for you every week until we get back to regularly scheduled programming. Uh, but until then, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, talk about everything with uh, Zach of LA. <laughs> uh, Zach, do you have anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we sign off? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> do what? <laughs> I'll leave that to them. That's a, that's very good. Uh, And with that, uh, I think we'll have to say goodbye and let the sounds of what play us out, Zach? Uh, the sound of birds chirping. (laughs) That's the best you got. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Who are you? An angel. What's your name? Satan.